coming up on today's episode of the Positivity Platform. Do you work and chase the money or do you live within your means and chase the happiness with your spouse? Oh, that's it. This is like, that's so awesome because you just worked that out as we were talking. When we enter into that next phase, that transitional phase, we're not only losing a career, we're losing a part of who we are. And that can be a real letdown. Welcome to the Positivity Platform. We're your hosts, Erica and Evelyn. Join us for weekly chats that unpack life's experiences and forge pathways to positivity. Welcome to the Positivity Platform. We're excited to be here. It's episode number four. And I just want to say that if you didn't get a chance to listen to episode three, Evelyn and I are incredibly proud of the episode because of the content. It is such an important episode for anybody who is a parent or someone who's planning on becoming a parent, someone who's in a difficult relationship in terms of navigating adult-child or adult-adult relationships. I just Uh think it's incredibly important that we examine relationships. And that particular episode is one that's all about examining relationships and the steps that we can take to help transform our relationships and forge pathways to positivity in the lives of all involved. So please, Uh if you haven't had a chance to listen, yeah, please listen to episode number three. Yes, I'm very excited about that too. And as I listen back to it, I realize that even if you are a parent figure or even an auntie or an uncle, you know, I, I just think there's a lot of insight and there's, it's a map that a you can map. use. Everyone, yeah, everyone can use that. Absolutely. Time to hop in the golf cart. I know. I love this because it's referring to our recording, but it is very similar to what we do on the golf cart, which we got to play last Friday. That's That's the first time we've played. Oh, we did get rained out. (laughs) We did get rained out. (laughs) Do you know that by the time we packed up and left, it was already clearing up? I know, but it was pouring. And you know, that's Uh the one thing, Evelyn, I love to play golf, but you know, I don't really like to play when it's pouring rain like that. It's just, it's, it's just tough to be in those elements. I think like the clubs get slick, but not just that. It's just, I'm just not a big rain player. I'll play in drizzle, but pouring rain for a period of time is just not my thing. I love that. I was willing to leave too. Yeah. Remember when I said, oh no, no, no. Yeah. Well, I'll be honest, like when we saw the clouds rolling in, I mean, it was a beautiful morning initially. It was chilly, but it was beautiful. But I, when we saw the clouds rolling in, I think I had a little bit of trauma from that time you and I played. (laughs) Do you remember that, Evelyn? Yes. We literally played the entire round in pouring rain and neither one of us wanted to bail out. We Mm -hmm. were soaked, drenched. And I don't remember we kept saying, I wonder what the temperature is because here in Hawaii obviously doesn't get cold, cold, like on Mm -hmm. the mainland, but it was when we left, this was after playing that four hour round in the pouring rain, it was like 68 degrees and we were soaked. 
And I remember when we turned in the golf cart, the guys were like, I can't believe you stayed out there. Do you remember? They were shocked. And even the next time you went in, Jerry at the counter said, I heard you guys played in that rain. I mean, it was Mm -hmm. crazy. Evelyn, I was cold, not only that whole night, but all the next day. And my body took a long time to warm up. And I thought, why did we play in that rain? Well, we played because it was fun. But yes. <laughs> it was cold. I we so had a little tra- I had a little post-traumatic stress involved in this past Friday. And so once mm-hmm. I saw those clouds rolling in, then I felt the drizzle and I thought, okay, once the pouring rain started, I was like, I'm out. <laughs> but I'm yes. glad you were out too. <laughs> I was out. And you know what? We were playing with my sister and my friend, uh, my sister Rosie and our our friend Maria. Yep. And when we were packing up. I said, oh, now look, it's clearing up. And Rosie said, I would have kept playing. And then I said, oh, really? I said, oh, I really don't do that anymore. I guess, okay, good to know. I said, Erica was done. She definitely would have. No. Another thing that I want to touch on is that we did some, well, over the past week, we did some redecorating in the home. We had a change. Odie's daughter and her girlfriend moved out. And so it's just me and him in the home now. And of course, Miles, my 11-year-old is here three to four days a week, depending on the week. We were able to do a little bit of redecorating. And that was actually really fun. Having been a military spouse for 28 years and moved Uh very frequently, every two to three years, every home is an opportunity to redecorate. And it feels like a new home, even if it's not something you bought. You know, it just feels like a new home. There's something about hanging new curtains or putting a new bedspread or redecorating a bathroom that's, in a sense, soothing to me. Some people find moving unsettling or stressful. For me, that redecorating sort of filled the need of a move. I haven't lived uh-huh. somewhere this long, <laughs> you know, right. for, I just haven't. Right. That's so interesting that you say that because I remember for everyone who listened to episode one, uh, Better Than Fine. I was a military spouse and we we're a family also. Yep. But after Max died, that was like a huge change for me that I didn't understand. I was programmed to prepare for a move every three years. Yes. So after my first three years living here, I started, I was wondering why all of a sudden everything that I loved about here was starting to get on my nerves. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, it's so small and oh, this and that and this and that. And I realized, oh, I am, I have been conditioned to detach so that you save your heart if you live somewhere where you absolutely love and you don't want to go, but you know that you have to, you start to focus on things that you'll be glad to leave behind. Mm-hmm. And and then you're all in on the research of where you're moving because you're prepping the kids too, right? When we yes. move to Okinawa, it's going to be a different country and they speak Japanese and, you know, you are detached and then already attaching. And it's at least a six month deal. As soon as those orders are cut or you start talking about your next duty station, right? You, you start, start creating a vision detach. before yourself, yeah. right? So, yes. yes. And oh, you even tell the kids your next room, we can do this or we can do that. Yeah. But I remember once I recognized that, that feeling 
it was on point. Every three years, I would start to feel very dissatisfied with where I was and thinking there was some, maybe I'll move to California or maybe I'll, and I realized, oh no, I love it here. I just don't know how to live somewhere in the same place and sink roots. So it's exciting for me to hear you say that because your roots are sinking now. Yes, they are. And you have to do other little things that kind of fill that urge to change. And that could be, I mean, this room I'm recording in, this is probably the fifth color, (laughs) you know, we, we paint all the time, you know, uh, we paint to give it something new and fresh and We created a guest room now. And so we got all of the things to decorate that guest room. We redid a bathroom, the bathroom that we're using. And it was actually really kind of cool to have that experience. And now I don't need to do it again for three years. (laughs) I'll be good for three years. So, (laughs) you know, talking about you have never been, this is the longest you've ever lived. This is the longest I've ever lived somewhere. Yes. As an adult. Yes. As an adult? Since I was 18. I never had a place that I lived consistently year after year after year after year. And then, you know, as an adult for 28 years, we moved every three years. This is the longest I've lived somewhere. I was actually talking to Odie about that. This is actually what I think I now would consider to be home. And I don't know what all that entails or what that looks like, but this is home for me. This Mm -hmm. is where my future is. This is... Um, where I've laid down roots now. So very interesting for me. The fact that we're both thankful for laying down roots here in Hawaii is the perfect moment for us to think about other things we might be thankful for. So let's begin to build the platform with this week's Mindful Minute. Our mindful minute is where we take a moment of gratitude and we're asking you to recognize that you can be grateful in the midst of our struggles or chaos, or maybe you are having a wonderful week, but we're just going to take one moment to think about something that we're grateful for right now. And so based on our talk about sinking roots, I am very grateful that I was able to sink roots here on Oahu. I love my neighborhood. I love that my adult children love coming home and that they consider this their home. And I love all the clearly friendships that I've made since I've been here. My moment of gratitude is similar in that I'm thankful just to have the place here that I call home. As I said, I've moved so frequently throughout my life, but this is the first place that I can say honestly feels like my forever home. And I'm so (laughs) thankful for that feeling. And I'm thankful for Thomas for providing it. And um, so that's, I cannot think of anything I'm more grateful for in this very moment right now. I love that. You know, and I love that we actually have that similarity that this is now our both. We have never had our forever homes, but this is definitely my forever home as well. Yes. So so with that, let's further build the platform with today's moving moment. Our moving moment is an inspirational quote that always ties into the day's theme. 
This week's moving moment quote is by C.S. Lewis. There are far better things ahead than we ever leave behind. Last week, we discussed the importance of raising children who are able to successfully transition into adulthood. This allows each of us to welcome the fullness of what life has to offer us after our minor children fly the nest. This week, we are excited to dive deeper into what it means to transition into a next phase of life. For our guests, this next phase happens to be retirement after a 30-year career. So it's time to hop on the platform and unpack the unique life experience of our guests. Today's guest is Thomas Odie. Hey, Thomas, why don't you introduce yourself? Why, thank you, Miss Evelyn. <laughs> um, Thomas Odie, after almost 36 years, getting ready and looking forward to the transition into retirement, uh, loving what it looks like, and I'm ex excited to talk about where we're going to go from here. Oh, well, I'm excited and I want to thank you for being here because this ties in. It's almost like another phase of what we touched on last week. And that was the transition from being a parent to an empty nester. Uh, our focus was on preparing your children for adulthood, but this is right in line with that because we all have these transitions. And I'm really excited to hear you know, how you're handling that, how you plan for it and all that good stuff. And I know that he's going to have so many awesome things to share. But one thing I want to bring to the forefront of this conversation is that this isn't necessarily just about retirement. We're using retirement as an example, but this is really about transition within uh -huh. one's life yeah. because we experience many transitions throughout our lifetimes and how we prepare and how we accept those transitions is really paramount as we forge pathways to positivity for our future years. So if you're not of the retirement age, I think you're going to have something that you can glean from the message that we're going to be hearing through our conversation with Odie today. One of the things that I want to emphasize is that change and uncertainty definitely breed stress. It doesn't matter who you are or what experiences you've had, change and uncertainty breed stress in our lives, but it doesn't have to. We no, can eliminate, can prepared. we yes. can prepare, we can eliminate many of the stresses associated with significant life changes. And one of the best ways to do that is to have a plan. I think that as we move through this podcast, keep in mind that this is applicable to any number of transitional changes within our lives. Absolutely. All right. Well, Odie, why don't you share a little bit about your experience and give us background about what you've done with your life professionally? Okay. So um, uh, originally from Boston, came to Hawaii back in 1986, active duty for six years. And then after six years, I decided I did not want to go anywhere else. I loved what I was doing. I loved the active duty, actually. There was no reason other than for personal reasons I got out of active duty. However, I didn't want to leave the islands. After 
getting out of active duty. I was a cadre at a youth challenge program. For those that don't know, it's 16 to 19 year olds and you give them a a GED and it's quasi military environment. So very rewarding. I think um, over the six years, probably affected at least 1,200 kids that we see oh. when we go out to eat. Yeah, or we see, we we see, them, see them. See them all over the oh, Wait, can we pause time. right there? Okay, yeah. let me just pause. In case you're only, you're tuning in for the first time, Thomas Odie is the Odie that Erica and I talk about. This is her significant other. This so is, if you're yes. wondering, I mean, this we, is my man. yes, that is her man. So yeah. when they start talking about, you know, they go out to dinner, she didn't, that wasn't how we got him to be a guest on the show. They were, they were together you. prior to that. And just a little more backstory. That is actually how I met Erica. Odie and I were golf friends. Yes. Uh, and then one day he said, here's my girlfriend. And then I got a new best friend. Girlfriend so, okay. to life partner to BFF yes. with Evelyn. Yes. And to podcast co host to the Pat- side. And <laughs> Erica is now the one that Evelyn calls now. So, well, know. we do uh, well. And now we're co hosts on a podcast, you know, paving, helping others pave pathways to positivity. All right. So that was our side note. We'll go okay. back. Okay. Continue, Odie. After the six years with the Youth Challenge program, I was able to secure an AGR, which is Active Guard Reserve. And I apologize if I throw acronyms out there, but um, for any active duty members out there, the difference between AGR and active duty is you never rotate out of the state. So the ability to build a family, build a life, stay in one spot, it is really the best of both worlds or best kept secret stabilization your kids grow up with the same people your home your lifestyle um Uh and your friends you're Uh not rotating through all these different states and that's very contrary to what we experience as active duty um families with Uh other military branches where we're moving every two to three years so Uh i think it's pretty amazing to be able to have a career where you're still serving our nation in such an admirable and noble way but you're able to also provide your family with a level of security what i would love for you to emphasize if you don't mind is you as a soldier what is that feel like to have been able to have built a career over 30 years. It is a profession. I truly believe that it's been the most rewarding. I'm getting ready to retire after all these years Mm -hmm. and I can look back on all of it. And especially being on a small Island vice, someplace like California or Texas, we run across people that I've somehow impacted negatively or positively mostly positively <laughs> most mostly positively <laughs> i would agree and and it's just, it, it is rewarding even though that's not what you set out to do okay. it is rewarding to be recognized and even in civilian clothes and i'm not a um rank guy but people mm-hmm. will be like hey sergeant major and mm-hmm. i'm like oh hey how you doing mm-hmm. like it, it's, well i'm i'm sure that's rewarding because it's when you run into people years after you've worked with them up to 20 years, 30 years, up to later, 20 years. Yes. 
if you're getting positive feedback and you've impacted them in a positive way, then that's part your job because you did your job the way you did. That is part of who you are. Thomas would never lift himself up in this Mm. way, but I will tell you that he has dedicated his entire life to his career and it is not just a job for him. It is part Uh of who he is. So then you say that you had, you have 30 years of a career that you love, and now you have decided to retire. Let's hear about that. Well, I think um, when it comes to retirement, there's a difference between mandatory retirement date that ties to your rank. So Mm -hmm. for uh, E9 or Sergeant Major, it's 30 years. Uh If you work, if you were to attain a nominative level position, you have the opportunity to work for three more years. My retirement came when I asked, I was like, do you see anything nominative in my position? About a year out, a little bit more than a year out. Uh And they were like, no, on the horizon right now, Uh which was a blessing. Like it cut that conversation short. It was like, okay, Uh if I'm not going to be nominative, then it's time for me I've done, I've reached the highest rank I could as an enlisted soldier. And it's time for me to announce my retirement for one Mm -hmm. that gives, I guess, transparency and predictability to the organization. Yeah. So that made the decision easy to retire. Mm -hmm. If if a nominative level position, an additional three years was not on the horizon, then that was at one year out. And some people do it two years out. was the time to really initiate the plan. I say initiate because the plan to retire should already be, you should already have a plan, but there's a time to initiate it. And by that conversation with the leadership, that was like, okay, good to know. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. And time to initiate. Thomas is 54 years old. And I think that's really important because- 55. You are 54, my dear. Oh, okay. Yes, you are 54. (laughs) HIPAA. (laughs) All right. But but you are 54 years old and a lot of people retirement is a lot later in life, but in the military retirement comes uh, 20 years out from when you started your career. Retirement is 20. So some people will face retirement at 38 years old in Uh the military, particularly if they enlisted at the age of 18 and they are able and fortunate enough to fulfill a 20 year career retirement isn't necessarily I'm older and I've lived my life and 54 is young. 54 Mm -hmm. is incredibly young, especially 54. (laughs) And you can be very young and be faced with retirement, but yet not have lived into the typical age that people would expect. I have the maturity of a 25 year old. Yes. You okay, (laughs) baby, you do. Yeah. So, (laughs) My point is that retirement isn't necessarily what civilian Americans consider retirement. At 65, 72. This is still a young person when they retire from the military with what is a lifetime ahead of them. To recognize when the time to retire is, is one, if you have a decent mentor leadership that tells you like, okay, this is the horizon. That is one. But the other one is you personally setting the conditions. We had this conversation earlier where you 
set the conditions to retire when you get hired. And maybe that's a little bit um, lofty to say like, oh, when you're a private in the in the army or pick a service, you know, you don't think about retirement. You think you're going to do your first three years or whatever. But I guess it's when you decide or determine or are lucky enough to become a career soldier sometime in there you have to set the conditions for your retirement and if you excel or exceed those milestones maybe you retire a little bit early for me it was always to be a lifelong soldier and i we have set the conditions right now to where like we've got everything in place financially relationship wise which is a huge part of it to have somebody that supports you emotionally first of all but supports you and your decision that it's time to retire and what that looks like now it's not going to be i'm gone for t- 10 hours a day or whatever <laughs> the the spouse the male or female got to realize that oh shit now that guy's going to be home all these hours so there, okay. there's stress on both sides. It's not just the guy retiring or the female retiring. So that was work-wise. Uh-huh. Financially, you're secure. Relationship-wise, like both of you know that this is coming up. But then I think probably one of the biggest ones is passion. Civilian or military, when you're like, okay, I've done everything I can do. Even though I love my job. To this day, I still love my job. But the passion for it and knowing that you've been given a a cap on your career, uh-huh. then, it, then it is time. Don't, don't hang on. Don't be that strap uh-huh. hanger or anything else. Retire with um, dignity. Right. I really recognize that our jobs provide a certain level of satisfaction, perhaps even like a mental workout for us. When we go to work, uh-huh. we're able to use our brains and think through difficult problems and challenges and and be problem solvers and rise through the ranks and prove ourselves. And we have all of these opportunities within our careers to continue to challenge ourselves and push ourselves. In contrast, our home life doesn't mentally tax us in the same way or give us the mental challenges in the same way as our careers do. So when we enter into that next phase, that transitional phase, we're not only losing a career, we're losing a part of who we are. And that can be a real letdown. There is a study by the North Dakota State University psychologist, Jeremy Hamm, and it was discovered in the study that retirees as a group showed more cognitive decline than people who maintain their careers. It's not uh-huh. age-related. It's the fact that they retired. So you're not they, engaged. You're not as engaged. Uh-huh. You're losing your certain ability to you know, strive for something professionally. Your brain isn't functioning in the same capacity in terms of daily problem solving within your career and all of that. So I think it's really important when we talk about retirement or transitional phases in life, that we really talk about what Odie touched on, which is that you have to have a plan. Transition or retirement is inevitable. So how are we preparing ourselves for that next phase so that we are forging pathways to positivity into that next phase of our lives? Can I jump on that? Just 100%. So 
active duty and national guard both have the thrift savings plan or savings oh, or life insurance and i wish that somebody back when i was 25 or when i turned it into a career would have said that you know what take your beer money that month throw it into a tsp mm-hmm. throw Max it into a TSP. whole or term life and i'm not a life insurance guy and i'm not a i'm not an investor but yeah. if somebody did say to the average 22, 23, 24-year-old that, you know what, you throw $300 a month, depending on the market, you would have all this money when you retire after 20 years. I think that's something that we don't do. And because we jump into whatever career path you choose, military or civilian, you're just like, I want to make my money right now. I want to buy what I want right now. But a mentor or a HR or whatever that would say, invest 11, 22% of your check. And at the end, if you have the foresight to invest your money, it's going to pay dividends in the end. And the, and to just to go back to when you start your career, that's when you start your retirement. I agree. I also think we can talk about five key considerations for a positive post-retirement. One would be a passion. What have you always wanted to do, but never did before? Those post-career years can be an opportunity for you to pursue your passions. But if you never identify what those passions are early on, you Hmm. might move into retirement feeling like something is lost rather than the opportunity to see it as something now can be gained. Yeah. uh, Odie, you have planned well enough to know that you have the financial freedom to Mm -hmm. live a pretty nice life. I mean, it's safe to say that. What is it that you're passionate about that you're going to get to do that the career in the National Guard never allowed you to do? Um, I don't want to say that it already allowed me to do it, but much mm-hmm. like both of you to be able to golf when you want, Oh, <laughs> um, yeah. that is a passion, but like personal yeah. side, I've yeah. always been passionate could... about surfing and golfing. Mm-hmm. And I've been lucky enough to been able to do that because of where we're at. The passion for me was always taking care of soldiers. So if there's any void that I foresee in my retirement, it will be the not taking care of soldiers to like where you really have a vested interest, which is different than I would say any civilian career is. I don't want to have any vagueness there, but you really care about your soldiers because you are willing. You may have to put them in danger. So that that's always no matter what level of leadership I was at, all the way from platoon sergeant all the way up to brigade CSM. I've always been vested in soldiers, taking care of soldiers, not babying them, but taking care of soldiers and making sure what we as an army told them we would take care of and provide, whether it's family, finance, medical, that we that we did that. So that's that has always been a passion is making sure we fulfill what others signed up to do. So then thinking about the future as you prepare to transition to your next phase, life after the military, how can you possibly carry that passion forward in a different capacity, maybe? Yeah, like transfer those 
Those are invaluable to be able to care for another adult human. I mean, have you thought of how you can transfer that over? So I am lucky enough that um, I did set the networking or conditions that the job that I am going to go into, not that I will be working every day of the month, Mm -hmm. but I will be close enough to the uniform and able to affect soldiers training because that honestly is really the only thing I know. My my next position will be resourcing and setting the conditions so that infantry battalions or or brigades can conduct the training so that they're successful should they have to deploy again. So mm-hmm. for me, so it's you, you get that hands on. Yeah, your wisdom gets passed command, down. Passing your experience. On, oh, that's passing wonderful. on experiences. Mm-hmm. Passing on techniques, tactics, and mm-hmm. procedures so that it's it's not a closed book. It'll live through somebody, oh, but for I just sure. won't be in uniform. And when we talk about passion, there are passions that obviously have lent themselves to, you know, our ability to succeed in the careers that we've held. But there are many ways that we can transfer those passions. So I think the idea here is to be looking at how we can use our passions in our next phase. For Odie, he was lucky enough to secure a position that will allow him to somehow stay connected to soldiers. Mm-hmm. For other and do people, what you love and do what do, you're good exactly. at. That's all you know, positive. And that might mean volunteering somewhere or getting involved in a cause that you've become passionate about throughout your lifetime that you never had the time maybe before. So there are any number of ways that we can use our passions in our next phase of life. Our passions are inherently a part of who we are. And if we can figure out ways to utilize those passions in a new capacity, it can really ease in that transition to the next phase of life, post-retirement or whatever that transition might involve. So we're talking again about five key considerations for a positive post-retirement or a positive transition into that next phase of life. The first we just talked about is understanding what our passions are and how we might be able to utilize them in the future. The next one might be leaving a legacy. What type of legacy do we want to leave? Because now is the opportunity or should be for us that we can actually really think about what we can do to leave that legacy we want to leave. If we could imagine in our mind's eye what we hope that people would say about our lives, what would we hope that they might say? Because mm-hmm. this next phase, so when we're, yeah, because when we're not going to be consumed with the career and who we um, are on a daily basis in terms of what we do, we can now begin thinking about how we want to impact the world that we live in, whether that's large scale, the world, smaller scale, our community, even smaller scale, our families. Yes. What is the legacy we want to leave? There's so many practices where they are an an exercise that I've come across many times where they ask you to write your own eulogy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what will, what do you, and you know, what do you want said about yourself? I mean, and we aren't even talking about retirement equating death. (laughs) You know, there's this whole space, this whole lifetime between retirement and when you, your time is up here on earth and, what is it that you absolutely, what is it that you want people to remember about you? Yeah. 
and then use this transitional phase in life, this next stage to make that vision a reality. So when we talk about leaving a legacy, you know, you have been fortunate enough that you have impacted so many people through your career. But now you also have the opportunity to continue to impact your world or your community or your family. Have you thought about how you might work toward building a bigger legacy in your post-retirement years? So I would say legacy in the military, nobody enters, at least in the enlisted. I don't think anybody enters into the military going, what legacy? The legacy is not by design, it's by your actions. And then people will talk about you later or remember you you later. On the personal side, family, relationships and stuff, I think my legacy, positive or negative, will always be as a provider. And I think that's generational. Whatever, you're, whatever you grew up in, um, my dad, without getting sappy or anything, was... He was always a provider. Might have been a, what's the word I want to use? Heavy-handed. Heavy-handed. <laughs> he might have been heavy-handed with the punishment and everything else, but he could come home at the end of the day and said, you know what? I provided for six kids, families, provided them all the nice stuff. But Well, this is what's so great about what we're talking about, right? Because we were saying that these are five considerations for a positive post-retirement. And so what I'm hearing from you right now, Odie, is, you know, your career legacy that has already been established. But what we're talking about now is like post-career, whatever you're doing from now forward, you know, like taking, examining that and kind of asking yourself, well, I've already established a provider. You're that. For sure. And uh, you led a very successful, meaningful military career, got that down, you know, but now examining what else is there that you'd like to leave behind? How can you build on that legacy as you move forward? Have you thought about that yet? I have. So I think my legacy or because I'm still moving forward on it is... My legacy should be more focused on my woman, your co-host, <laughs> and making sure that that we're planning stuff. Do you work and chase the money, or do you live within your means and chase the happiness with your spouse? Mm-hmm. If we can do that and chase happiness first money, I would hope that that would be the legacy that well i'm not I'm not working for a paycheck. I'm working mm-hmm. to keep happiness with us. Happiness, adventure, throw all the adjectives and and Mm -hmm. nouns in there, but working towards us being happy with each other, enjoying being able to look forward to stuff. Oh, that's it. This is like, that's so awesome because you just worked that out as we were talking. Yeah. You did, but I love that because you started on something very practical. And then as you started talking, you figured out, hey, your legacy is like what we just talked about. It doesn't have to be like a financial legacy that we all hope we're, well, one, not going to leave behind, you know, a mess for the people we love to clean up. So we all want to be financially secure and everything's taken care of. But the legacy is that, you know, 
my goal is to live happily. I don't think enough people realize that happiness is a choice and it's a practice that you have, you know, you just don't stumble upon it. I think these five key considerations, I'm glad that we're going through these because what I'm discovering as we're going through them is you also don't have to know the answer. These are just exactly that, things to ask yourself, and they will probably change from the day you retire to three years out from that. They could change the day after. You could, yeah, your passion, but these are the things that the five considerations that overall will definitely lead you on a positive pathway to post-retirement. And I want to add to that, Evelyn, that these are things that we can be thinking about from the earliest days. Yes, you could still be like just starting your career. Yeah, we begin examining these early on so that when we reach that transitional phase, we now you know, have created that plan that we originally Mm -hmm. talked about. And that plan is fulfilling and multifaceted, if you will. It's not just about a financial goal. It's about overall happiness. Mm -hmm. It's about a pathway to positivity so that your next phase is everything you hope and dream and wish and desire it to be. You've Mm -hmm. worked hard and now you get to enjoy what this next phase looks like. Not that you don't enjoy your career. You, you, he loves his career, Mm -hmm. but more now you're enjoying life. Life Mm -hmm. goes on after a career. And so what does life look like? So we've talked about passion. We've talked about legacy. The third consideration would be health and wellness. Evelyn, you and I were just talking about this earlier yes. today. It wasn't part of our podcast recording, but we were talking about this. Mm-hmm. Health and wellness. Yeah. You know, a lot of people retire, particularly when we're talking about Odie here, you know, early in life, you know, he's mm-hmm. 54. Some people retire at 35. And yes, you might have a second career, but some people retire at 60, 70. You want to be able to have health and wellness mm-hmm. in those years post-career. So how are you planning for that early on? Health and wellness is foundational to your ability to enjoy life the way you envision it to be. So Odie, you're a healthy, fit man. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) What are your goals and how have you worked toward those in health and wellness? Yeah, moving forward, I would say it's a change in thought process because Anybody that's been in for a minute, it was always, don't go to sick call, pop a 800 milligram Motrin and just drive on. But I think the mentality of the young soldiers, and which is somewhat more difficult for the old soldiers, is as you get closer to retirement, it's time to acknowledge that you're not the same person that you are when you entered in. And I'm definitely not the same person I entered at. 18, multiple deployments, multiple, you know, just doing infantry shit. So there's been a a fundamental change in myself. Now, as you get closer to retirement and older, you realize that, you know what, you're not the same person you were. I would say our doctors, physicians, assistants do a great job in asking those probing questions, but it, it is definitely a change of thought where you know, you're trying to stay in. You don't want to say that you got back problems. You got ankle problems. You got mental problems. You've got 
and assort, run the gamut of problems. Mm-hmm. People prior to the last five years, they hid all that stuff. Um, I think mm-hmm. now um, the enterprise is taking care or better care of what we did in the 70s with Vietnam and previous conflicts. So mm-hmm. it, it is definitely a change of thought. And it's a tough thing to acknowledge that there might be something wrong with you. You're not doing it for the compensation. Honestly, right now, I'm doing it to make sure that in five mm-hmm. to 10 years, if Absolutely. it comes back, it, it is. And it all comes down to VA claims. So mm-hmm. health and wealth, just to recap, health and wealth, uh, wellness, mentally, physically, is a huge thing at retirement and being able to be humble enough or vulnerable to say that maybe there is something wrong and Mm -hmm. you need to acknowledge that and speak out more than what you're normally comfortable speaking out about. Right. Because then you have resources that are available to guide you through recovery or rehabilitation. And you can't do that and look out for your health and wellness if you don't acknowledge that it. they're yeah, acknowledge Perfect. it or examine. And you know, and I would say you- it, uh, I would say that it's not about compensation, but it's about acknowledgement and dealing with it because eventually if you're with a loved one. Somebody else is dealing with it. It's not an individual thing. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a relationship couple thing that if you don't acknowledge it, but it affects you, then it's affecting somebody else. So speaking of relationships, that brings us to our fourth key consideration, which is engagement and or our relationships. It's very easy for some people to become very isolated in retirement, because you no longer have the social connection that work provides. And when you retire, you can definitely feel very isolated when all of your relationships somehow become, in a sense, disconnected. So it's very important that we look at our futures in terms of connectedness. How do we nurture our relationships so that we ensure that we have continued engagement or our relationships are healthy moving into the next phase of our lives. Odie, do you want to talk about that relationship aspect? So I would say another benefit of being um, in the National Guard is you develop friends being in the same place for 20, 30 years, however long your career is. But you can go to any VFW in any state and see those gentlemen that are sitting there wanting to talk to somebody and they want to sit there and talk because they didn't have all the VA benefits, the social programs and everything. So there's a capability gap that wasn't identified back then. I think we in the present have a great support system. And to that end, we reap the benefits of a better program. And now we have much more support going back to being National Guard. We still hang out with the same people. We still have the same friends, family in the state, um, Calabash cousins, pick a word for it. But there's a strong support system. Mm -hmm. That relationships you already have. Oh, you know what? You talked about this earlier. This is another huge advantage that National Guard has over active duty that rotates. But I think it's really important to note that not everybody has that same 
scenario. A lot of people, they go to work from, you know, maybe eight to five and their social bucket is filled through their interactions at work. And then they go home and they're with their families. And that's not to diminish the importance of having a tight relationship within the families. But once your social network is almost instantly removed in retirement, isolation and loneliness Mm -hmm. are two of the leading causes of depression in retirement. And they're Mm -hmm. very, very common. So the best way to ensure that you stay connected is to engage, to continue to engage in relationships, to build relationships Mm -hmm. outside of your work Mm -hmm. environment, to make sure that your family relationships are intact and are fulfilling, that you have good communication, that you have camaraderie where you need to have camaraderie, that you have sort of a social network outside of that nine to five or eight to five position that you held. Because you want to ensure that your social bucket is able to remain full outside of your work environment. So I think as we sort of round out these five considerations, we've already touched on this, but the fifth is just planning. 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 And everything that we've talked about is planning. You start, I love when Odie said, you don't begin planning for retirement when it's imminent. You begin planning for retirement when you take that position. If you wait until the last minute, I hate to say it, but you're sort of behind the power curve. That doesn't mean that it can't be done. Uh-uh. But emotionally, physically, psychologically, all of those aspects, if you begin thinking about your next phase, your transition, very early on in your in your career, you're able to navigate that transition to your next phase a lot easier than you would be if you just don't face the reality that retirement or next phases or transitions are imminent. And if we plan for them accordingly, we can ensure that we build pathways to positivity for ourselves. And I would add to that saying that the stress is not just on the person, soldier, civilian, retiring. Failure to plan early is stress on the relationship, the kids, family, dog, pick something. If you fail to plan, you're adding stress to everybody's life. So Thomas. Yes, ma'am. You are in this transitional phase Mm -hmm. and it seems that you have indeed really done the work necessary to prepare yourself for this next phase. How have you forged pathways to positivity for your next phase of life? What does the future look like for you? Uh, Super optimistic about what it looks like. I think um, by networking in my senior years of whatever career, my military career, creating that network of friendship, I have a job lined up because of our planning, we don't have to chase the money. We don't need the $150,000 contracting jobs. We've planned our retirement. We've worked towards it and kind of mapped it out. We can live the life and lifestyle that we want and be prosperous and happy. And there's nothing more I'm looking forward to. I really think that you have been an amazing guest. First of all, I'll just say this. You've been our first male guest. And I think that's really critical in that when we put out these podcasts, we're not putting out podcasts for women. We're putting out podcasts for people, 
people who want to see positive changes in their lives and want to forge pathways to positivity. So I really appreciate your perspective today. Thank you so much for being willing to to share your experiences, your unique experiences as a service member, but also your experiences as a person who's transitioning to the next phase of life. No, thank you for (laughs) asking me, allowing me to share my little story, because even talking about it, makes it more real. And I think if people keep it in a bubble and don't think about it or don't talk about it, retirement can be a surprise. So no, this was really good. It made me reflect on um, making sure that I'm doing things correctly, both in relationship and retirement. Yeah. So with that, I think it's time that we hop off the platform and get ready for our better than fine practice. The Better Than Flying weekly practice is a takeaway mindful practice for the week. This week, I pose this question to you. What do I want my retired life to look like? Many of us focus on the financial aspect, which is vital. But in this exercise, I want you to focus more on your state of being, qualities you'd like to possess. What types of people do you want in your life? What do you see yourself doing? Envision yourself at 55, 65, 75 years old. You can take your time with this. The point is to design your ideal life. Again, I'm a big fan of writing or journaling. This is for your eyes only. So be free, dream big. It has to make you feel good. If it doesn't, do not include it. Then keep it. Think about it. Edit it as you feel necessary. Maybe the Calabasas mansion next door to Kim K loses its appeal and you'd rather live within driving distance to your BFF or your brother and his family. The point is to be specific about what you want your life to be. Then look for the opportunities. I believe serendipitously that arise. Have you ever had an experience where it seemed like everything was lining up for you? You probably kept your attention on the desire long enough to notice the signs, but it's hard to keep your attention on a desire when you're not quite sure what it is or what you want from it. These initial better than fine practices are designed to get us thinking with purpose. Our purpose for now is to really get to know ourselves, our lives we are living right now, challenging us to get out of autopilot, no judgment. We're just taking a look. That is a really great takeaway practice, Evelyn. Thank you for sharing it. So that's it for today. We hope that you enjoyed this episode and that through Evelyn's better than fine practice, you'll be inspired to add pathways to positivity in your own life. Until next time, I'm Erica. And I'm Evelyn. Thank you for listening to the Positivity Platform. If you enjoyed listening to this week's episode of The Positivity Platform, please follow us on Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, or iHeartRadio to receive updates and alerts when new episodes are released. And please leave us a comment on our social media, Positivity.Platform on Facebook and Instagram, and The Positivity Platform on Twitter at PosPod2022. Thank you for joining us on the Positivity Platform.